Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. What? Say that again. This is Peyton Jones. I haven't heard that glorious voice in weeks. I know. And now I you're know. back. And now you're back. You know what? I actually spoke. I just addressed a, a room full of church planners in Washington, D.C. via the old uh, Zoom call. And uh, he introduced me as Peyton Jones. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> was it Mac? obviously a podcast listener? Was it? It wasn't Mac who did that. No, no, it was. Uh, it was a guy named Clint Clifton who uh, does some good work. Dude, that's a, in fact, we've interviewed Clint that's, on here. That's a great name, though, Clint Clifton, isn't it? I, you know, it's either a great name or your parents were just so uncreative. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> one or the other. I don't know. But, but you know, it's one of those names you can say with kind of like a a little, you know, a little chagrin, Clint Clifton, you know, and kind of lift your eyebrows up, a little, a little twinkle Clinton. in your eye. Yeah, yeah, like you it. can. It's kind of like a, you know, what it's like. It's like a name on a western that, like, the gambler in the casino lays down. Hi, <laughs> I'm Clint Clifton, <laughs> or a country singer. Yeah, right. Kind of like, hi, I'm Johnny Cash. You could do a, hi, I'm Clint Clifton. And this is my dog, dog, <laughs> my dog. Come on, if you're a country singer, you, you don't have a dog. You have a dog. <laughs> What's your the hog's name, dog? <laughs> oh man, I miss this podcast. Uh, I think so. Have our listeners? Hey, I have got to read to you the world's best podcast review. We've ever received. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I've seen this one, have I? You have. 
You have. You just don't remember it. I've been waiting. We got this. I got the email on June 24th that we had a podcast review, and I've had to wait for you to be on the podcast again so I could bring this up. Yeah. So here's the review. And don't even ask me how to pronounce who it's from. I don't. I. It's just a bunch of letters. I think it's you, actually. You gotta tell him. You gotta say though, because he'll just he he has to have a shout out. Otherwise, it's like saying this best review ever is from dude. And well, you can't but say it, it's from I think dude. it's his last name, and I totally butchered or like maybe a first initial and a last name. I, I don't. I don't know. But here's the here's the headline. I take it all back and throw myself on your mercy. Oh yes, you remember this one? Oh yes. Here's the review. I originally left a mixed review of this podcast, having a problem with the smack talk and other technical issues. I was then promptly skewered on air <laughs> by Pete and Pete. <laughs> Accused of having little to no sense of humor and told that with that attitude, I shouldn't be in church planting. <laughs> Well, I've got to give these guys props for that, and I stuck with it. Maybe I had lost my sense of humor somewhere along the way. Could it be that I was so overwhelmed with church planning that I lost sight of the funnier things in life, like Star Wars? Yeah, baby. <laughs> so I stuck around. I listened. I embraced Smack Talk, and my life has been changed. Now, instead of thinking, I've got to go fast forward past all that to get to the content, I've come to realize that virtually connecting with these guys uh, has been the highlight of my week. No longer are they hosts that are trying to glean tips from. No, they've become trusted friends, confidants. Guys, I'd hang out with them if I wasn't more than a half a country away. There's great teaching to be had, don't get me wrong, but this isn't a classroom. <laughs> it's a couple of friends who've been at this longer than I have, hanging out, shooting the breeze, catching up on life, Star Wars family, oh, and church planning too. Yeah, baby, that was a good review. <laughs> oh my it, gosh, man. What makes it sweet is he's a convert, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> we have our first baby. And then he closes it with, thanks, guys, for opening my eyes. Get to the church plant. Get to the church plant. <laughs> Dude, I'm I telling see. you, I that day that I got that, I was not having a bad day. It was actually a good day. And when I got that, it, like, sent me over the moon. I was like, this is the world's biggest mic drop moment for me ever. We rode you hard, and we got you to come around. <laughs> we beat you into submission. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I had to go back. I was like, because the name, I was like, maybe he's making it up. Maybe he wasn't the guy who left us, you know, which would actually oh, be funny. That would have been cool I know, if a right? guy wrote a fake one. Yeah. So I did. I looked it up and in my email, and I came across his original review, and I was like, oh, that's right. Okay, I remember him now. And... um. But he wasn't the guy that like I cyber stalked and I like looked him up on his Facebook page. It wasn't that guy. It was another guy who gave us a bad review. So oh, I thought it was the same guy. It wasn't. I was a little bit let down when I discovered that, but still. Oh man. It was it was a major mic drop moment. Because I still remember his review after I went back and I read the original. Ah, right. So we had two bad reviews then. Yeah. Yeah, we've had oh. two. Two that, that people have owned one. up. Two that people have owned up. No, no, it was two, apparently. 
Oh. I don't okay. think maybe he wasn't as harsh with his stars. You know, maybe he gave us normal <laughs> stars. Because the guy who gave us two stars, man, I'd still I'd still cyberstock him. <laughs> yeah, but he liked our other podcast. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the fun one. That's the one we barely do. That's the one we do when we're like, hey, what are we gonna do this week? I don't know. It's Let's do a podcast. Yeah, he doesn't like us, Pete. He likes other people talking. We don't talk on that one. Yeah, he's, I don't know, but that's that's a whole nother story. That's that's a whole nother guy. So why don't you tell everyone where you've been? Well, actually, before we get to that, why don't we tell everyone what today's topic is going to be, and then you can tell everyone where you've been. Today's topic is the church planner and vulnerability. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever just said the topic without leading into it. So today it's uh, all going to be about don't be vulnerable. Keep your guard it, up. Um, there, there will be crying and tears and some sensitive feelings. I think it's pretty safe to say they won't be my tears. <laughs> or sensitive feelings. Or sensitive feelings, yes. You're uncomfortable with that side of things. It's not that I'm uncomfortable. It's just that <laughs> sensitivity, it isn't me. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, Spaceballs? No. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. I never saw it. And it's like a total Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my buddy and I, we had to do this science project in high school together. And when he came over, all we did is we pop in the VHS tape for all you millennials. That's how you used to watch movies before the Internet. And we just sit there and watch Spaceballs over and over again while we're working on building out this, this science experiment. <laughs> and there's a line in there where uh, Barf, he goes, um, it's not that we're afraid of dying. Far from it. It's just a death. It isn't us. <laughs> I love that. That's line. funny. Is uh, is Barf the Chewbacca dog? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. John Candy. That's a great name, Barf. Yeah. Yeah. John Candy. Yeah, what's your full name? Bartholomew. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've never seen that film. You know what's here's the truth. It's actually funnier, the TV version where they had to cut out all the cussing. Oh. Because the cussing made it I think maybe it was because I, I'd seen it like a hundred times, the TV version. Yeah. But when I saw the the real version with all the cussing, it wasn't as funny to me. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. But uh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So going back to this review real quick, um, I think you're going to inspire copycat reviewers now. <laughs> They're going to leave like bad reviews so that they can like come back and leave a good one. And then we can praise them and lift them up and you know, be touched and, you know, say we had another baby. So guys, if you're thinking a copycat reviewing out there, just don't, you know, just, just, you know, let it, let it, let it die. You know, don't, don't mock that man's journey. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a, uh, a restaurant. I believe it's in San Francisco. They, they got like one bad Yelp review. And they ticked them off so bad that they put out a sign that if you leave us a bad Yelp review, like the best bad Yelp review gets like a free meal or something. And so now everyone goes on there and puts a one star and says, this was the best, you know, sausage McMuffin I ever had, you know, for this price. And it, it was just like, but the reviews are hilarious. They're, oh, they're just like, good. and, and then Yelp got mad at them and says, uh, we think that you are giving people an incentive to leave you a Yelp review. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're giving them an incentive to leave us a one star Yelp review. But, wow. No kidding. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And yet you've heard of them. So it worked. It worked. It got them some press too. It was pretty cool. I dig it. I liked the idea. 
They just kind of you know, went with it. So where you been, man? Why haven't so you been, been here in, to do the, the podcast? La- yeah, so I've, I've been in the land of my fathers, Wales, uh, Cymru, uh, in Celtic. and uh, You know, I, I want you to know this is a true story. I, I feel kind of bad about it, but not a whole lot. I actually didn't know where Wales was until uh, <laughs> until the UK left the EU. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, and then did I they break it up over here. Oh, dude, it was huge, huge over here. Yeah. Like, what are Isn't they that thinking? Funny? Yeah, all is this it stuff. that funny? See, now for those of you that listen to the podcast, thanks to Smack Talk, you were well ahead on the curve of the Brexit. You knew before the media started talking because I was on here belaboring the fact that we never know what's going on in the world. And uh, the media proved me wrong. Uh, for some reason, they hopped on it. Uh, but here I was talking about it way before it happened. And you knew. How does that feel? Well, I they knew listener. because we had a huge dip in the market. We went down a 1,000 points. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Oh, no, that's why. See, my original point was we only talk about stuff that affects us in America. Yeah. Well, it's true. And it's so funny to <laughs> yeah. watch everybody on both sides, like, in America. <laughs> like, And I'm like... <laughs> How do any of us have any idea what in the world is going on over there? We have no idea if this okay. is good, if this is bad. We we don't live in that world. Okay. So what's funny is I'm convinced that a lot of Americans still don't completely understand what in the heck happened. Because I, 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 I couldn't get to Facebook much while I was gone. But when I did, I would hear people making jokes and references that made no sense about the Brexit. And I'm like, okay, they don't. They don't understand what it is. They don't understand what just happened. Bless them. <laughs> <laughs> what happened from your point of view? What happened? Well, it, it was, you know, I'm sure you guys know what's going on. It just obvi- was obvious to me that some people don't, you know, like people tend to learn their facts from Facebook. But no, uh, no, yeah, I never basically that. the uh, there was a, a, a party, a very small party that was for advocated that um, Britain should leave the EU. And they put it to a vote. The prime minister at the time did not realize, um, and he admitted that he did not realize it would actually get voted out. Now, big business, the media, and all of the politicians, almost all of the politicians, were um, for leaving the EU. But the public was not. I mean, the public was. The public was like, oh, sorry, what did I just say? Sorry, the big business, the politicians, I'm very jet lagged. Big business, the politicians, and the media were all for Britain remaining within the EU. The people were not. The people were saying, look, we got to come out. You know, they're imposing all these rules on us, blah, blah, blah. And it was a wake-up call to the politicians that there's this huge gap between us and the people we represent. Well, surprise, right? That's always the case. But, um, but over there, it led to people stepping down i mean it was it yeah. was a big deal yeah, yeah. new prime minister uh, this week right yeah he stepped down and uh new new uh prime minister a woman again first time since margaret thatcher and uh it's yeah it's it was just a big deal and and the people are very divided but you probably learned about wales because all the wales was like let's get out man let's leave you know because they're nonconformists. i mean you know, it's uh, see from a personal standpoint, not having any idea of the real impact of this. I'm all for leaving because <laughs> I'm such yeah. an isolationist. Like I'm yeah. all, I, I, I really cannot wait for Texas to leave the union, and I'm freaking on a plane. <laughs> I, I am moving. Well, 
to Texas. Here, here's the thing. The Celts, what a lot of people don't realize is the English are a Germanic people. The, the Irish, the Welsh, and the Scottish are Celts. And Celts and the English historically do not get on well. Um, in the past, the English ruled the Celts. And Ireland, part of Ireland, broke away. And uh, Scotland has talked about doing that over the years, um, decide not to. Wales has talked about it. Um, but the reality is um, the, the Celts, they, they've thought about independence their entire uh, relationship with Britain. That's why there's so many castles in the Celtic parts of the United Kingdom. But, uh, but Wales voted, you know, get out because they, they don't like being ruled by people. Independence is in their blood. If you look at the Declaration of Independence in this country, the majority of the signers of the Declaration were Welsh people. Mm. So it doesn't come as a surprise that they're like, yeah, man, break off from the English. Yeah, form our own country. That's just in the blood. So on the on the thing, you know, on the news, they kept showing a map. <laughs> All of Wales was like, leave, you know, and like other parts of the UK were stay. And but Wales was uh, predominantly leave. It was pretty funny. I like it. I like it. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all shapes up. What I thought was funny is over here on Facebook, all the like Babylon B sites uh, and all that, you know, the satire, Christian satire sites. Yeah. Like uh, people are, are feverishly reworking their end time scenarios to fit in the Brexit. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, you know, cause I smelled a rat in the eighties when they're like, yeah, you know, the, the 10 stars and the, this and the, that and the, you know, the, there's a big supercomputer in Sweden called the Beast. You know, p- people would say all kinds of ridiculous things in the 80s. And uh, I had those chick tracks. Remember those? No. Those said some outlandish things. And uh, you never seen those? I don't know what that is. Oh, they were these little uh, tracks that um, were like total 1970s illustration. They were gospel tracks. But they had ones that were just wacky as all get out. And... Uh, and they yeah, were all about said. like end times and some of them were nice. <laughs> One of them's like the Pope's the Antichrist. And here's how oh, you know I cannot it. tell you how many times I heard that growing up, oh, not from God, my family, man. but from like, you know, quote unquote Christian friends. Dude, the, the anti, that was, that was funny. Pin the, pin the tail on the Antichrist game of the eighties. That was just, that was a hoot. You had, uh, who's it? The Pope. You had, um, uh, Saddam Hussein. You had Gaddafi. You had, uh, Howdy Doody. No, I made that one up. But I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of people. You probably that, had Fairchild. What was that stinking Lady Fairchild? That was the Antichrist right there. Lady Fairchild. Oh, oh, yeah. From Mr. Rogers. <laughs> she scares Lady me. Lady Fairchild. To this no, day, she scares covered me. covered her before. I mean, hey, Stephen King writes a book called It, right? With, uh, what, what was it? Um, Samwise the Clown or whatever I, it is. You know, I don't think I ever watched that one because I don't like clowns, man. I'm like, mm, I got to pass on that. Yeah, I can't remember what it what is name. I know it's not Samwise. That's from Lord of the Rings, like clockwise or something stupid. I don't know. Some Someone will write it and go, hey, man, get it right. But I'm telling you, he should have written the book about Lady Elaine Fairchild. That's every child's worst fear, not the clown. <laughs> it was mine. It was mine. So, hey, being over there, what did you hear about um, all of the uh, the stuff going on over here with all the race and cops killing people and cops getting killed and all that? What did you hear? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we um, – it, it you, you saw – I mean, it, it was interesting because I was on a farm. So, I mean – 
I was in the middle of nowhere. I, I had to, I had to take a couple conference calls and jam down to some, some dude's house I didn't know and be like, Hey man, got to use your internet again. <laughs> he lived down by the pub. So his internet was rocking. And uh, the people I was staying with, they didn't have it. I got to tell you about him in a minute. It's they didn't just, have the internet? Well, they had it, but it was like you and I couldn't have done the podcast, you know? Right. Um, it was it was terrible. But anyways, so I got it in snippets. I didn't get a lot. But, um, you know, I mean, to be honest, uh, I I think when it, when it comes to this issue, right, um, I know it gets highly charged and I know people were arguing, raging over it. I missed all that. I stayed off Facebook while I was gone. I mean, if you look at my Facebook, I think I reposted the, the, the quote by Humphrey Bogart and I said, Hey, coolest quote from a guy whose name is slang for boogers, you know? Um, you know, basically, uh, that was it. I, I think I was bored, but I didn't really interact with social media because it wasn't worth the five minutes it took for me to load a tweet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I missed most of it. So you didn't get any news is what you're telling me. Pretty much. Yeah. I got British news, but they did cover it over there. It did make it across. Did it actually make and, it across? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, and we've talked about this before that, that their cops are different than ours. Our cops are highly aggressive. They are taught to dominate. That's never, ever, ever going to go well for somebody unless you are in the military. The problem with the cops is these are not enemies that we're fighting. These are our own citizens that we're dealing with. And when you teach someone to constantly aggress um, and dominate people, even including their own citizens, most people don't don't realize. But the uh, you know that that's a very difficult um, thing to to teach people, and then it not have it backfire in your face. Well, you know, the good news is, is, uh, Obama is pushing for a, a federal police now. <laughs> yeah. Like that's going to solve the problem. Literally. It's going to be different people. How, how do they think it's going to be different people? You're just going to what ship in a guy from Oklahoma to go now work in Oregon. Yeah. We have a federal police. They're called the national guard. And, uh, but those aren't supposed to be federal. Those are actually state. Those aren't federal. Well, you know what? The, the, fed, the president has to ask the governor to take the National Guard. Yeah, there's logistics, but the reality is they're they're basically like the military's form of policing the U.S. Well, I, I but it is not federal. No, and I'm not saying that, but they act as if they're federal. When when you're shipping the National no, Guard, Iraq okay. and. You know, well, yeah, that's because again, they ask, Hey, can we have these national guard units? Yeah. We need them over here. But, but make, make no mistake. The governor is not over there moving the national guard. No, no, no. It's all all. being done federal. No, because then it's, yeah, because then they're on loan. Yeah. My brother works in the Pentagon. He's actually an officer in the national guard. Nice. It's pretty, pretty high up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was pretty brutal over here, man. It was, it was heartbreaking on, Every level, like every level. Um, and to me, too, I, I mean, because you'd see everyone with their opinions on still, again, both sides. But you saw it less this time. Like you saw less people siding with uh, the cops because the videos were so. Like, even though they weren't complete, 
there was so much there. You're like, what are these cops thinking? Like, how did they do this? And so there were a lot less people like standing up for the cops this time than usually you get. Cause yeah. usually it's, it's almost down race lines, right? It's almost that way here in the U S all the white people yeah. go, go cops. All the black people go, go black guy. And I mean, it's just like the race lines, but this one, not as much, not as interesting. Much. Yeah. I mean, like I said, because I wasn't here, I can't really, I, I, I can't really comment on it. I mean, I don't, you know, at least people's reaction. I can't, I didn't see it. You know, I just know that the Brits, you know, they, it's funny when you're over there because they, they look at you and they go, well, like your presidential thing. And what's funny about the Brits is when they ask you a question, they ask as if, <laughs> as if, you know, they're very sensitive. Really, they know exactly what they think, but they're asking you like, so, and once you start understanding the subtlety, you pick up on it right away. Like, you know, like I always smile, you know, when they ask those questions, because I know they're already thinking, you guys are nuts, man. <laughs> Look here. So they'd be like, so what, what do you, what do you, how are you finding the election this time around? And, and, and meanwhile, inside they're thinking, you know, do you want Bozo the Clown or do you want Ronald McDonald? <laughs> and, <laughs> and this is and actually, this is the first election that I've looked at the two major candidates and gone, wow, you're both so much worse than the current guy who is the worst president we've ever had. I mean, wow i'm like astounded by this yeah it's pretty true and then that guy came after bush who was the worst president we'd ever had up until him i'm like wow yeah it, it, it's it's pretty interesting so my my response was like hey you know what you, you asked me let me ask you another question death by hanging or death by electrocution that was you know that that's all that's all i could could think you right know? right Interesting, man. You know, let me ask you, this is actually a serious question. I know we got to get into our topic, but my question is this, since, um, are you a math pastor? No, since slavery, uh, went through England, like the slave trade went through England on its way to the States. And, and as a white guy being over there, how did you see the race relations? Like, what is it like in the UK? Because (laughs) They've got more complicated factors, right? Because it's not just black and white. Yeah. It's the Celts. It's, you know, the Irish. You've got all these other. Um, well, and your your intermarrying there is, is you know, uh, okay, you barely see, you say what, uh, you know, uh, you don't really see Mexicans. I met one Mexican in 12 years. Um, but you see lots of Pakistani people, Indian people, Arabic people. Um, people from the continent, um, people from African Caribbean, anywhere, which is pretty much everywhere. The Brit never had a colony. You will see people. And there's a lot of inner, inner, uh, racial marriages that, uh, I mean, they're light years ahead of America on this, which is fantastic. But, uh, uh, in Wales, when you ask, you know, I remember I was in Wales and you say race relations and I'm like, what, what race relations? There's like all of three black people in Wales. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Most, I think all of them went to my church. There's barely a uh, African population in Wales. Um, it's just, it's, it's pretty much, it's like so, when you go to So Sweden. is the race relations more between like the, like you said, the Celts and the. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny. Yes. So there is lots of tension. There actually is tension still between the English and the Welsh. And there, the other tension that's there, which I find fascinating, is in the same way that white people in border states would complain about against Hispanic people coming, taking all the jobs, all that. And by the way, I think that's rubbish. People talking about that, I have no patience for it. But but here's the deal. In, Wait in until Britain, you've lost your job because of it. And in, in, in Britain, it's <laughs> so bad. But in Britain, you have um, uh, Polish people. There's a lot of Polish immigrants in Wales. So because they've come through, it's the same exact talk. You could literally just take a soundbite from a from someone's mouth in here. You know, edit it to say Polish instead of Mexican. Mm. It's the same exact talk. I remember sitting in sociology class in college and uh, my my teacher, I remember him saying, look, people, you know, when you hear of all these wars, people will say it's religion. People will say it's this. People say it's that. He, he made us read this book, which is fascinating, called Cows, Pigs, Wars, and Witches. And it was a collection of essays. And one of them maintained that Wars are never fought over what people say they are. They're always fought over resources. We don't really fight for freedom. Not really. We don't, you know, it's just like early, early America. You know, it, that was an economic. America didn't come about because a bunch of people wanted to die for the cause of freedom. Uh, the American revolution happened because the British were taking all the money that the colonists were earning. And they, they were like, we don't want that. It, it's not... It, people don't fight over religion. They fight over resources. And so the racial tensions that exist in the world are resources. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, that kind of reminds me of a little something. Uh, let me ask you, Peyton. Are you a math pastor? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so soon? No, but I do need to ask you uh, – have you been thinking about getting your church involved with some online giving, maybe uh, text-based even? Why, yes, I have. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Why, yes, I have. Stop it. A better solution is here. You're not even reading anymore. You just have this thing memorized. <laughs> Let's look at you right now. You're just, you probably talk in your sleep and give this commercial to Jamie. Uh, Mogive, Mogive. <laughs> no E, no E, no E. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the bees. Where did the bees come from? <laughs> what are you talking about? Last night, my daughter was having nightmares about bees. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, kind of rough, just, man. A yeah. nightmare about bees? I don't want that. No, but when you're talking in your sleep, just, I just yeah. thought I'd throw in a random nightmare. Well, if you are thinking about getting your church involved in a little online giving, perhaps... You've seen tithing go down over the summer because people are on vacation. What if they had a way to automatically set up their giving? So let's say they got paid every Friday or whatever day. They could have it automatically taken out of their account and given directly to the church. Wouldn't that help out your tithe situation? <laughs> Why, yes, it would. You need to go to mogive.com. And that's spelled M-O-G-I-V dot com. Yeah, baby. Go for it. Hey, you know, by the way, if you do get a, hey, I do want to say this about MoGive. MoGive um, is putting out some excellent 
uh, email resources right now. If you get a chance, um, go to the website and I don't know what they do to get you to sign up for email, but um, I actually read an article from them like, hey, we got to put that in Church Planner Magazine. Um, that was a fantastic article about, and it was ways to optimize your giving um, with people, but it, it's not cheesy. It's not like, hey, money grub for all you can. Um, it was a thoughtful, spiritual, reflective article that uh, I was like, man, church planners need to read this. This is good stuff. Yeah. Well, I did uh, buy PeteGive.com. You did? Really? Yeah. With nice. and without the E. Nice. You know, I've had my phone on Do Not Disturb for about three weeks. And what I do right before this podcast, you turned I it took off. it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right before this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Of course. Yeah. Well, let's actually get into our uh, meat and potatoes here. But before we do, we need to hear from a little Doc Brown. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. I've missed Doc Brown. Me too. By the way, you can get the trilogy on Blu-ray on sale right now for like 15 bucks for all three movies. On no way. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm so doing that. You don't have a Blu-ray player, but you know, that's good. That's great. <laughs> I do so. Where do you get that from? Hey, there's like new things. I went to go buy something the other day and they're like, you can buy it on, I don't know. There was like two more levels of like maybe three more levels. There's like different formats now, platforms for doing this. Oh, you mean of videos? Yeah. Yeah. No, the rest of that stuff is just all online. I, I was blown away. I'm like. They give you a digital version. Basically. Holy cow. Doing. So Blu-ray players still the top way to own the disc. Well, you know. Here's here's my philosophy on it. I've been converting slowly over to the digital on Amazon specifically because when I go on long trips, I'd rather just download the movie and then give it to Luke and let him watch. Which you by the way, kids. When while you were in Wales, we went to Yosemite. Yeah, I saw that. Have you ever been to Yosemite? I have been to Yosemite when I was a young pup. Okay. There's a place, most beautiful place in Yosemite called Glacier Point, 8,000 feet high. Wow. Yeah, you get to see the whole valley. Absolutely gorgeous. There is a cliff. And so there's a wall with a, a rail. It's about, you know, it's about hip height. And you can look straight down at the valley floor. Like you could see your cabin if you're staying in That's the cabin. That's cool. Yeah. So I'm turning around. We had my, my uh, niece is there. Mac is there. Luke's there. Jamie's there. I turn around. All of a sudden, they turn back, and what's Luke doing? He has almost climbed over the rail. Oh, my gosh. Because there was a rock formation that looked like a dog, and he wanted to go out to it. And I'm like, I can't stand heights. Like, I was getting sweaty palms standing at the rail, and here's him almost over it. And I, oh, my god! So then he starts crying because I'm like, what are you doing? And I grab him, and I'm like <laughs> bear-hugging him. I'm like, no! Oh, my gosh, dude. I was... Yeah, that, that didn't do so well for for. That's funny. So heart. I got one funny story I'll tell you about whales. Um, we, we what one of the cool things was um, I'll tell you too real quick. Um, one of them was I was staying with a guy who um, is considered one of the top three master craftsmen in the world. He's actually a um, he restores grandfather clocks. Um, not not just like the one for you know in grandma's living room. But ones that are hundreds of years old, like things that, that cost as much as your car or maybe half your house. Things that are kind of like relics, like they, they're high-end market pieces. They move through Christie's and London's, the, the real high-end markets. 
of uh, antiques, and he gets sent these. I remember once they were telling us, hey, you know, there's <laughs> there's a clock in our car. We stopped by the house, and they're like, there's a clock in the back of our car that's worth more than our house. And uh, and it was pretty funny, man. The uh, the the bottom line is that this guy he just he just restores these things so that they're they look original but used. So he can't just restore them and make them look new. He's got to age them too. It's pretty cool. So then he sells them on eBay. No, he 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 only works by commission. He doesn't advertise. He he's so well known in that industry that there's like a waiting list for him to get through these clocks. It's pretty cool. He's never had to advertise ever. You know, you can get like a Casio watch for like ten bucks. Does same thing as those clocks. Probably a lot cheaper. Yeah, but it's a thing, man. He was he was telling me there's this guy in the Bahamas who owns like a warehouse. He just collects them. And uh, he doesn't even he doesn't even appreciate me. He's like a billionaire and he just buys these things off the market and they go into this room. He goes, yeah, just put them back there in the room. He doesn't doesn't even appreciate them. He just collects them. I I guess there's some weird thing about him, you know, but they're they're definitely a it's it's like gold bricks, man. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, um, the girls, we had to prep them that, look, when you're in British culture, um, it's not like America. If if in America people fart, um, American personality is that someone's going to say something, right? If if you and I are at Legoland and you cut a fart, I'm going to say something. I'm right? probably going to announce it before <laughs> I do it. And I'll probably be like, hey, hey, check this out. Check this out. Rip. But yeah, anyway. But in Britain, it's like it's it's ironic because they fart a lot in public. But it's not culturally okay to say anything. You must not acknowledge it. You must pretend that never happened. What if you can't breathe and you are dying? (laughs) My roommate in college, I would be like, seriously, you got to do that. You have to leave the room. It is that bad. Yeah, it's just it's just people cheek sneak. I, I, you know, it it they just let them go all the time. It's not okay to pick your nose in public. That is not cool. Americans pick their nose a lot. In Britain, you don't do that, and you don't spit. You cannot spit. Spitting is one of my favorite pastimes. And I remember once I was going to a concert with a buddy of mine. We were walking downtown Cardiff, and uh, I spat. And he goes, everybody around here thinks you're the biggest pig. (laughs) I go, why? And he goes, because you're spitting. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, we don't do that here. <laughs> he was being totally serious. I thought he was joking. He's like, no, no, Peyton, honestly, that's like, and he started telling me like the things it's the equivalent of in American culture. But, uh, but anyway, so we're telling the girls, we're like, look, you know, um, cause you know, three and seven, there's nothing funnier than people farting. So, uh, when, when they announce it, you know, with vigor and, uh, you know, I, I just hear this giggling and, you know, again, I farted. And, uh, anyway, so we were telling him, look, you can't do that here. Um, you have to, uh, you have to pretend it didn't happen. So Liberty gets it right. She's, she's like our little adult. She gets it. And, um, so, uh, cause we know it's going to happen around the girls. So we're driving the car and we hear in the back seat, Liberty's going, okay, okay. I'm going to, uh, okay. Now listen to this. Now, remember you can't laugh. And she blows this fake fart. 
And then our little one's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Liberty's coaching. No, 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 no. Okay, that's what you can't do. So, okay, try this one. And she's going through this whole host of, of different octaves to test out on my daughter, you know, to, to train her. This was the training that was going on in the backseat. My three-year-old failed miserably. But uh, anyways, that's, that, was, that was probably the funniest thing that happened no 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 you no. let's try it again from the top i like it man i like it it's pretty funny so should we actually get to our topic i suppose great scott it's time for this week's topic you know smack talks bad when doc brown has to come on twice mama mia that's a spicy meatball check please (laughs) all right well guys today's topic is vulnerability and uh we did just speak about bodily functions we're not talking about that you don't want to be that vulnerable but the church planner always kind of rides this dilemma look you, you, you all leaders ride this kind of fine balance between how much is too much how vulnerable can i be we know that Proverbs says the fool speaks all that's in his heart right so you you don't you don't go around airing out all your dirty laundry and you don't um you don't you don't share everything, right? Um, there are going to be things that are private between you as a couple, between you and your wife. Um, there's going to be things between you and a friend that are, uh, you know, they're, they're things that. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm jet lagged, man. My resistance is bad. Pete's messaging me funny stuff. But but here's here's the thing. You're going to have um, really a dilemma because in one sense, the church planner more than any other leader needs to be able to be a real person. You need to be vulnerable. I, I would say, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've said that you need to be more vulnerable than other people. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because you need to earn trust. You need to earn it quickly. And people trust you someone who's vulnerable. People don't trust leaders that are polished, uh, especially in today's culture, especially in today's generation. The millennial uh, generation will not uh, trust someone who, you know, acts like they got it all together. Um, We inherently know when we watch films that if a character is not presented with flaws, that eventually the plot is going to reveal something down the road. We don't trust that character and screenwriters will tell you that uh, when you're writing a character, you write them with flaws. And when you write them with flaws, the re- the reason they say to do that is because the audience more readily identifies with that character and will then care about them. Now, think about that from a leadership context. Think about that the fact that you're communicating the gospel to people, right? You're, you're, you're sharing about Jesus. You're, you're not to lift yourself up. I must decrease. He must increase. So to share a flaw means that people relate to you. How important is it to relate to people uh, as, a, as a preacher? It's, it's huge. Um, Lloyd-Jones used to say that preaching is a relationship between the listener and the preacher. And so it's the first thing you do. You know, I, I'm not... I'm not for being a comedian from the stage, but I do think if something strikes you as funny, you do, you do being natural, being sincere is probably the most important thing. And I, I think, again, 
we've mentioned this before when we did our preaching series. It wasn't like all 12 episodes or something, but we've mentioned this before that Pete and I do this podcast in the way we do it because we want people to see, hey, we're real people. We are real people. We're going to talk about things that require a supernatural God to have happen. Um, there are some things in church planning that are natural, but there are some things in church planning that are supernatural. And we believe in a supernatural God, but we also believe he naturally works through people who are not supernatural. And for that reason, being real is a big deal. That's where Paul came to when he said, hey, I had a thorn in my flesh. And uh, probably the best lesson in the New Testament on vulnerability is the letter of 2 Corinthians, wherein Paul uh, really opens his heart up to the people. And he's super vulnerable because he feels that they need to see his heart. They need to see how much he cares. They need to see that they've hurt him. And uh, he needs to share with them um, really for the gospel's sake so that they can continue to receive the message. Uh, it's not so much the messenger, but the messenger has to be vulnerable so that the message will continue to have power and effect. So they haven't written him off, if that makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, you know, when, when we're talking about being a church planner and having, uh, you know, vulnerable or vulnerability, sorry, if I, if I trip over my words, I'm still very jet lagged. I'm only a few days off the plane, but, uh, when you talk about vulnerability, the question is how much, like I said, you can't share everything that's in your heart. Um, you know, there'll be things that you'd be betraying um, your wife. You'd even be betraying yourself. There are certain things, for example, um, in, in American culture, uh, we don't really value apologies. Have you noticed that? Well, I'm sorry, but I haven't really noticed that. Really? See, see what I did there? <laughs> What's that? What'd I'm, you do? I'm sorry. I haven't uh, really noticed that. Oh, I miss that. That's right over like talking. That's because you don't really, you know, you don't really value it. I got you. Yeah. So, so the apology in this culture is seen as a sign of weakness. Right? Not only a sign of weakness, but it's, uh, it, it most of the time is seen as it's either going to be very fake. It's like the politician apologizing. Yeah. Or, or like you said, yeah, it's a sign of weakness. So it's like, oh, we don't need to say anything. Let's just move past it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that, that nowadays the apology has been so cheapened in, in the age of social media that the apology comes as a way of kind of not losing your entire platform. You know, where some, somebody somewhere, a publicist or whoever, an agent, says, oh, you're about to lose all your people. You know, public opinion is turning against you. You know what? To save that, we need to get you to go on the air and or on a tweet and make a public apology. And I always look at these and I think, man, these apologies are are not these are not sincere. As you said, they're not sincere. Well, apologies. they're not sincere, and sometimes people are apologizing for things that they shouldn't be apologizing for. Like yeah. if you genuinely feel some way, why am I gonna apologize? Yeah, because it's not because, politically you know, correct to feel this way. I feel that and, way. Yeah, and the reason that they're upset is they they work in the in the area of public opinion. You know, um, no one wants to see a movie with a guy who believes boom, boom, boom. 
or no one wants to to buy a record of a guy who or how dare you say that uh, you can't have uh, you know the the whole transgender bathroom in school policy in California Um, there was a recent article on I believe it was like christianpost.com of uh, this guy in the Bakersfield area who's been on the uh, the school board for 12 years and um, he has to leave because he voted against uh, letting, you know, boys go into the girls locker room, girls going into the boys locker room. And he was told by the attorney that he couldn't be defended because it's illegal for him to vote that way. And um, and he's a bigot. He was told that by the, the county attorney. So he's like, I have yeah. to I have to resign because I feel this way. And in our society, that's the kind of thing that you're told, well, then you have to apologize publicly for that. And that's the way the guy feels. And apparently everyone came out and supported him and all that, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and I agree. I think that people rarely change those deep seated beliefs overnight because someone got mad at them. I think that these are long held beliefs that people have. And because of that, it is cheapening, uh, our belief in the, in the apology. And to be honest, culturally, we don't, we don't readily apologize. Apologies are seen in our culture as a sign of weakness. I would say in Britain, one of the, the interesting things is that sorry is a part of their everyday life. If you, if like, what do you say in America when you, you know, are accidentally rude, you know, when you, when you, you know, you're in the line and, you know, at a, at a restaurant or something or, or to order food or whatever, uh, waiting for a table and you step in front of someone and you didn't realize that they were next in line. What do you say then? Do you say, excuse me? Or oh, do yeah. you say, sorry? I'd say, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Did I, did I cut in front of you? Yeah. So, so the, the interesting thing is that sorry is the most common phrase that, that a British person will, will utter. Right. Instead, it's it's not even that it could be even like you you brush up against it. Oh, sorry. You know, it could, it could be that. And 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 I don't know if it's the same in America. But what I know is I rarely hear people being vulnerable because they we have this deep seated thing about being weak. We got to be strong all the time. We have to look tough enough, smart enough and darn it. People better like us. And as a church planner, particularly as, as a serial church planner or a church planner who wants to be a multiplier, you can't lead like that. You have to be real. One of the key things that I see in the Bible about all of the leaders is that they are not perfect. The Bible makes no mistake. It doesn't want you to make any mistake that these were human people. Paul, when he writes about Peter, says post-Pentecost, Peter fell into hypocrisy, people-pleasing again. Paul wants you to know that Peter was human. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that Peter was human. Um, Paul, Luke, at the same time, writes about Paul and says he loses his temper. Um, the the Acts narrative, and if you put that together with, with Galatians, tells you that first time around, Paul didn't really plant that well. Um, you know, these guys were not superstars. They were human beings reliant on a supernatural God and being vulnerable, I think is one of the ways that we point our people to that. And that empowers them to still be real people. I think when we kind of, you know, 
we we hold up the facade. We 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 continue the illusion that God uses superstars, and the New Testament is just bending over backwards to tell us these guys were far from perfect. And I know our our last podcast, I think I mentioned Second Corinthians. <clears throat> you go back and you read Second Corinthians, and it's it's just Paul constantly lowering his guard. Um, there's hurt. He's hurt the Corinthians. They've hurt him. And he's being very vulnerable because he wants to heal that relationship for the sake of the gospel. And I think that we need to learn from that. Um, we need to to be able to say, hey, you know, I need to be real and show people that I'm a human being. And then the the other question that comes into that is, can you be friends with people in your church plant? Because they are going to hurt you. And I've heard leaders before say, no, you know, I'm never friends with anyone in my congregation. Um, you've got to have other pastors, your friends, people who understand the ministry. I think that's hogwash. I, I do not subscribe to that whatsoever because I'll tell you that there's no difference between the guy who, uh, well, there is, there's actually a big difference. But what I'm saying is there's no difference in the pain level of somebody who has that philosophy and someone who befriends people in their church. And I'll tell you why, because people hurt you no matter what, when you get hurt, that's a you thing. That's not a them thing. That's a you thing. And for example, if I, if I have a falling out with someone, I let it really rip through me. It could be stupid things that happen. There've been things I've been heard about that people have done. Pete, I, I remember once sending you an email and getting hurt over something that somebody had had done it really had nothing to do with me. And, you know, you're like, hey, man, you know, boom, boom, boom. The the reality is that when I get hurt, it's that's a personal issue. And I've let that person hurt me. So for example, um the Apostle Paul, right? Uh he he's hurt. He's hurt at times that uh you know, uh, everyone's forsook him and fled. He gets, he gets hurt. But the reality is that he says, but you know what? The Lord stood by me. People are going to hurt you. Everybody eventually is going to let you down. Like Wesley said, the only thing you should ever expect from people is to be disappointed. And as the apostle Paul got hurt by church planner or uh, the people he planted amongst, let me tell you something. You're not any better than Paul and they're gonna hurt you. But does that mean that you close your heart? No, Paul says, I was like a nursing mother to you. You know, you do not have many fathers. And he he just, he he talks about how he's sensitive, how he's vulnerable to them, how he lowered himself to them, how he's appealing to them. He uses language, I beseech you, I beg you. Um, Paul's showing weakness and vulnerability. Um, he even says, I'll boast in my weakness. You know, I'll, I'll boast in those things. Um, he tells you, he shares with you his thorn in the flesh. He lets you know he doesn't have it all together. And what that does on the part of the Corinthians is it, it, it lets them relate to him. And it pulls on their heartstrings. And they realize, oh, he's just a human being like us. And people need to see that. But anyways, what does it say about leaders and friends is that leaders uh, will choose their friends outside the church. Now, imagine you've built a leadership team in your church plant, you have the philosophy that says, I can't be friends with people on my leadership team. What that's going to do for you is it's going to kill the culture of your leadership team. 
And if you're, the leadership culture is not tight and warm and friendly and like a family, guess what? That's going to trickle down and your, your church is going to be a cold, disconnected place. So guess what? You're inviting more hurt. You're inviting more conflict because the strength of the relationships is not there. And people are going to turn. People are going to backbite. People are going to do all those things that, that sinners do. But you're not going to have the strength around you to weather that storm, if that makes sense. You know, the other thing, too, that I think uh, along these this topic, it's not directly related to being vulnerable, but it is something I think people need to be aware of as church planners and trying to reach the unsaved. Um, you have to be so careful in what you say and promote in social media because you're going to like, you're going to ostracize people. Now, this is a tough thing for me because, and I'll, I'll share with you exactly what I mean here in a second. But one of the, one of the things that I tell people in marketing is great marketing repels as much as it attracts. So when I'm training mm. like real estate agents and stuff like this, and this is one thing where I think being a church planner differs from effective marketing. Okay. But when I'm training real estate agents or detailers or whatever, I tell them, look, if you're a liberal person, then you need to tell people you're liberal and it's going to repel all the conservative people, but it's going to attract all the liberal people to you. If you're conservative, then you need to, you know, be go George Bush or whatever conservative people do online. I don't know. I'm not go George Bush, but, um, and it will repel the liberal people, but it will attract the conservative people to you. The problem that I see online with church planners, and I think this does cause a lot of hurt, especially with what's happened in the last couple of weeks. I, I mean, I've literally seen so many church planners who I know, and they're like, going up in arms about how dare they take away our guns. And, you know, um, if, if more people were armed, we'd have less issues and, you know, and it's like, I get that because I'm really conservative as a person. Like I'm so conservative. I can't stand the Republican party. They're way too liberal for me. Right. Right. And I used to have a political radio show. So I have a very, you know, defined persona, if you will, politically, but I've learned after having done this podcast and 180 some odd episodes with you that <laughs> I need to like put that on the back burner because one, like when we were church planning in Long Beach, that's not Long Beach. Like Long Beach is no. liberal as can be, right? And I'm going to be repelling people who I want to attract, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's that's a thing where it, it differs from marketing. And marketing, I'd yeah. be like, go ahead and repel those people because yeah. that's not your ideal client. Well, that is our ideal client, if you will, for the church, because they're not saved, not because they're liberal, but because they're just not saved. And that's the area that we were in was a very liberal area. And so I've learned that I have to shut up and it's really hard for me to do. I mean, sometimes I yeah. can't and I, I yeah. just say something online. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But I would really caution our pastors to to be careful about what you put online because you might be correct but you might be repelling the very people you're trying to reach. And yep. I think you got to be wise in that. I mean, I, and there, this is a tough thing too, right? Because there are social issues 
that demand we take a stand. I mean, imagine if all of the white pastors said, you know what, Reverend King, um, this is going to upset too many people and I'm not going to be able to reach my white neighbors. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like there are some social issues that you have to come out and say, but then there are other things that I don't think are the same. Like I actually saw one pastor use that in an argument. Well, you know, what if, uh, what if we didn't take a stance on, uh, you know, segregation and it's like, okay, but that's not the same thing as gun control, right? Like we're talking about two totally different things. And so, I know it's not totally on the topic of vulnerability, but no, that's no. where my mind is going as I'm hearing some of the things that you're saying. No, but you're right, though, because there's also this other principle that what you're getting at is where Paul says, hey, I became all things to all men so that I might win some. So Paul knows he's not going to win all, but he says to the Jew, I became as a Jew and to the Gentile, I became as a Gentile. So he had to put his personal, um, some of his personal preferences aside as a good missionary and realize I've got to reach people. And so I, I get what you're saying where, like you said, in the marketing world, you say, Hey, just choose your side and go be true right. to who you are on these, all the, all these opinions. But for the gospel's sake, we can, like you said, we can alienate and repel um, when what we're trying to do is lift him up. And if I know that people are going to dismiss me, because of a stance I take on gun control and not hear what I have to say about the gospel, then I shut up on that, you know, when I'm using that gospel platform. And really, to be honest, I'll be honest with you guys. I hate social media with a passion. It probably shows. If you look at my social media, you'll see I'm not very good at it. And the reason I'm not good at it is because I don't like it. And the reason I don't like it is because I'm a face to face kind of guy. I relate to Paul when he goes, Hey, I long to see you face to face. I don't like doing stuff virtually. In fact, Pete and I are hanging out a little bit tomorrow and I can't wait, man. Cause it's been so long since like I've seen and hung out with Pete and that's important to me. But the thing is, is like, it's kind of this, this sort of deal where, um, it, where's it going? Um, Oh, where, where Paul goes, Hey, uh, you know, face to face. So I hate social media. Um, because I want to do things in person because for me, all the really cool stuff, discipleship, friendship, relationship, that stuff gets built in person. And, uh, and so social media, the, the, <laughs> I actually lost where I'm going again. This is a jet lag talking. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, here's, here's a social media story for you. I was at my church talking to, uh, Justin, who you sometimes refer to as Dustin because you stole my pee. And, uh, <laughs> And I had I had posted uh, a picture online, and it was a it was a meme on the whole transgender bathroom issue, right? And uh, and Justin goes, "Man, I would love to be in the room when you and Peyton talk about politics because I saw that meme that you put online, and that seems like uh, you know very uh, different than and and totally against what what Peyton would be saying." <laughs> started laughing i go peyton's the one who texted that to me (laughs) and he just didn't have the guts to put it online but i did but it it like it points out like you understood you know what i am a pastor this might be the way that i feel i can joke with pete about this but i don't want to put this foot forward because i might be alienating some people and then here's me (laughs) going hey well i'm not a pastor so (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it was. Um, I think we should share it because it was pretty funny. Well, I didn't want to um, share it because I didn't know. I I was like, maybe he didn't know because it was a joke. It was Jack Nicholson um, putting his face through the uh, you know the here's Johnny scene through the door in, in with that the crazy look in his yeah. eye, and he goes, "Hey, is this a ladies' room?" Because Obama said I could pee. Here. <laughs> it was the best, and and I had to share it with you. It's and you and I our our humor is really off color, and and to a certain degree. You know, I think, again, that makes us real. And, you know, this is what people kind of need. I was going to say earlier, social media for me, I'm on there for the gospel. That's what, that's what I was coming back around to. I remember getting a cell phone, telling my, my church, hey, because um, in Welsh culture, you just drop by people's houses. Mm. That's, that's normal. Grand Central Station. But I remember telling them, like, hey, don't send me texts of pictures of you eating a cupcake. I don't care about that you know like this is here for emergencies you know call me when you need something and uh and i just but when i had the book come out church zero uh it it basically said you know my my agent everybody the publisher hey you need to have social media that's the only reason Mm. i'm on it and i figure i'm on it for gospel reasons i'll keep it to gospel reasons the world and facebook don't really care what my um, political persuasions are. And let's be honest, that's not where the fight is. If I want to win a political battle, I don't post on Facebook, right? If I want to win a political battle, it's a little bit harder than that. You got to do a little bit more. It's kind of like when James says, hey, Christians, you're substituting talking for doing. Be a doer. So I don't even see that Facebook is really the place to be doing that stuff. So Anyways, I use it solely to promote gospel stuff. But anyways, we're out of time because uh, we told too many stories. That's what happens. You keep Pete and I, I away for I too long. I'll, I'll actually, I'm going to finish off with one last story because it has to do with what we just wrapped up here. There's a, um, there's a couple in our community that we've started to, uh, to hang out with more Jamie than me because uh, of the kids, right? We we met them through the kids, which is, I guess, what normal adults do. I have no idea. I don't know how to meet people very well. <laughs> Me and Hugh <laughs> Alter, man. that department. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we had them over for dinner a couple of weeks back. And, um, and it was interesting. I really doubt they're saved. I mean, we haven't had that conversation, but I really doubt it, right? And... Um, I think they're really, really liberal. So somehow we got on the subject of politics because I'm like, whatever, right? I just want to know what people think. And it turns out, you know, the husband is a Donald Trump supporter and the wife is a Hillary. You met one. I I've know. not met one yet. I know, right? And, and, and at first they didn't want to go down that because they were afraid, you know, can we go down this path? Because that offends so many people. And, uh, and you know, I'm like, so you're, you're for Hillary. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And then I find out later, she like went to college in San Francisco. I'm like, oh, well, San Francisco. Come on. I mean, that's like, of course, liberal. Hold you. <laughs> yeah. Come on. And what was funny though, is he goes, he, he goes, well, I believe in a lot of those conspiracies. And then he gets like really quiet and he, he leans over to me. I'm like, keep in mind, this is just us. We're in the backyard. Kim trails. <laughs> he goes, he goes, why are there so many Jews in power everywhere? And I'm like, whoa, oh, okay. Gosh. I was like, wow, we went there. <laughs> well, oh, you are a Trump supporter. <laughs> but it if, was if we had had this conversation first, you wouldn't have had to say who you're voting for. 
And I was like, by the way, guys, if you're a Trump uh, supporter, I'm not saying you're a racist. That's just no, that's, we're just saying you're a bigot and an idiot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, we're not. We're not. What I can say on the podcast, I can't say on my Facebook. If you're listening to this and you stuck around this long, this is what you get. No, but I my, think by now, everyone knows not to take us serious. But I think it's fair to well, say. Well, I would hope. Probably not. Not that one guy. Not the one guy I can still ride because he gave us two stars. <laughs> hey, you know what? At least you've still got a guy you can take out all your angst on. on there the we podcast. go. I, I, I was kind of sad to lose that. I really, I thought it was that guy I, yeah. until I looked it up and I was like, oh, it wasn't that guy. See, and I kind of had a holy moment, like, because I wasn't really mad at him. You were, which is <laughs> ironic, right? And, uh, and, and, and the funny, I didn't care. And so the funny thing was, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it going, oh, that, that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> we changed someone's life. <laughs> we helped him be a better man. Uh, well, anyway, but my point is, is, you know, you got to be careful. You got to be careful yeah. when it comes to certain issues. Because I don't want to alienate them. I mean, we're just getting to know them. Well, and, and just to sum up. And if people find out just how crazy conservative I am, I'm like Ted Nugent crazy conservative. <laughs> I'm like, stick me in the middle of the woods with some solar power and a well, and I'm happy. <laughs> you know, totally you off-grade. hate people. I know. You know? See, so you know. hate people. Just that's normal for you, Pete. Like, your politics just follow that. Yeah. But but here's here, – and I'm only teasing. Here's here's a deal. Um the the reality is when we're talking about vulnerability, you need to be vulnerable, but you need to know how far to go. And I think that's the best way to sum it up is there's certain things Paul said, hey, those are just personal preferences. I'm not going to be an idiot. I'm going to keep that to myself. Um, I'm going to be like a Jew when I'm in Jerusalem. I'm going to be like a Gentile when I'm in Turkey. And uh, but as far as with people, um, he really he really everything was trumped by the gospel. And I think when you talk about vulnerability, um, hardwired into our team is this team leadership. And that begs the question of vulnerability just because I, as an apostolic leader, I'm basically telling people, Hey, don't see it all. And I can tell you, I can watch people breathe a sigh of relief when they know that I, as a leader recognize that I'm one fifth of the equation, one fifth of the leadership team, and that I only see one fifth of what I'm supposed to see mm. and that it, people get trust. They go, wow, really? So you don't take yourself that seriously, but you take God pretty seriously. I can go with that. And I think that, that that's kind of our philosophy on the podcast. Pete knows I'm no different than how I am on here than I am in the church. Um, a, a lot of times the sense of humor, the tongue in cheek, the, the kind of uh, the twisted grin, it's on my face the whole time. And people people have come into refuge knowing that we're going to get sincerity here. We're going to get real here. We're going to get, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be snowed. We're not going to be entertained. We're going to get a real human being, but we're also going to get a real Jesus. And that's what people need to see. And that is my piece on war. I'm out. Mic drop. Before you go, let me ask you, are you a math pastor? <laughs> Well, you know, Pete, because I'm vulnerable, I can readily admit that, no, I am not. Well, I would just like to say that if you need help with all of the administration side of church, keeping yourself out of jail by doing the wrong things with the IRS, making sure that tithe is done correctly and allocated to the right departments and all of that, 
then perhaps what you need to do, you need to hook yourself up with a little simplifychurch.com. <laughs> right on. Simplifychurch.com. We take all that math and do it for you. <laughs> we take all that math crap. We make it ours. Well, that's it. We're done. Yeah, we're done. All right. So until next week. What's the sign um, off? Do you even remember how to do it? Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. Hold on. It's not Arnold. It's uh, Get hey, to church the plan. church blind. Get to the church blind. Go now. No, that's the wrong one. That is the wrong this one. This is the right one. Hey, Church Planner, you've been listening to the Church Planner podcast with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church